When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, wonderful shot by Lennox Lewis. A right hand by Holyfield. By Boston Dodgers. Look at this. He's knocked by Tyson down for the first time in his career. But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Crunch. I think it's going to be over. I have to say, there seems an element of genuine hate between these two, Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it, Greg. You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Leach steps in, and the fight is over. Welcome, fight fans, to the Legendary Night Season 2 wrap-up episode. First of all, thank you for listening to the whole season. Thank you for listening to all these great tales and all these great stories that we've covered throughout the course of these 10 episodes. And we've really thoroughly enjoyed doing this. We really have. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to continue on with Legendary Nights. And every time we've put an episode out, the stories have just got even better. And there's been so many sort of obscure not so much obscure fights, but obscure stories that maybe not a lot of people knew about, including ourselves. And we've we felt like we've delivered a lot more in this season and compacted it into only 10 episodes, whereas our first season, as you, as you know, it was 30 episodes long. We didn't really think about doing seasons at first, but as time went on, we realised there's no way we're going to be able to do all these fights and just continue it on constantly, because I think it makes for... I mean, I think it makes for a better podcast when you get more more season-based episodes. And I think season two, Johnston, starting out on the bar, I think that's what was one of the biggest changes that we said from our season one wrap-up episode was that we're going to compact things down, we're going to change things, we're going to look for more stories, we're going to do things that are going to be more presentable and more enjoyable for people to listen. And I think I think we've definitely done this with season two. I think I think we have. I think when you listen to the very first sort of few episodes in season one, where, um, you know, it, it, Legendary Nights is all about the fight. So um, we did um, always sort of skim through parts of their career because we didn't want to make it so much of a career profile. But even now, we don't necessarily do that. We uh, we, we we just, we sort of, the way we inter- intertwine them now and uh, and the build-up, I, I think it just feels, it feels better when you listen to it for the, for the build-up when you sort of see where one fight has come from. I mean, just kicking off for the first episode with Anthony Joshua Klitschko. Klitschko had that massive long start to his career and then Joshua joins in later on. But I thought that, that added a little bit of something to it. And, you know, the stories regarding sort of Klitschko in the background that we might, some I didn't even know of with, with the drugs and whether he got spiked and stuff like that with one of his other fights. But, um, yeah, no, I just, I, I think those stories have, have definitely made uh, this season a more rounded season compared to the first. I think towards the end of the first, it's similar to how season two has gone, but um, definitely the stories in some of these towels are are terrific. They really are. Some are really tragic, and some are uh, are quite uplifting. So, um, but and that's even before the fight. So, um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed putting season two together. It's been great sourcing all this information and then putting it out there and, and recording. It's been great fun to do. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's been great, and obviously we'll do a little recap on on the season as a whole in, in terms of episode by episode, and we won't spend too long on it because, of course, we've got other things to discuss throughout the course of this wrap-up episode for season two. But as you rightly pointed out, Johnson, the first episode was Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko, and I remember we wanted to do a really good opening episode and, and a really good fight in particular, and 
we wanted to do something that was quite recent as well and this was the perfect example of a recent fight that captivated a lot of people and essentially it was a it was a transcending fight especially for British boxing you know we talked about Carl Froch and George Groves in the first season how how that transcended British boxing but obviously this win for Anthony Joshua over Klitschko it sent Anthony Joshua in into superstardom you know even though Klitschko was it was at the end of his career. He was coming back. He put on he put on a career best performance that night, and and yeah. shocked shocked a lot of people, including ourselves. But it was the night where really Anthony Joshua could be told, you know, he's a legit guy at the top level. He's he's a legit heavyweight champion. He's not just a guy who's who's a paper champion. He's legit, and he beat a guy in Vladimir Klitschko. Like I said, put on the best career performance. Uh, it was great to see him kind of go out on a, on a high note as opposed to being remembered as a guy that was was quite a boring fighter to watch through large parts of his career and like you said when we put these episodes together and we started to put more details about the careers and the lives of the fighters outside of it it became more enjoyable for us to do and to deliver because we was able to tell more stories about certain aspects of the careers this first one i really enjoyed it because of the fight itself because of that fight i knew that we thoroughly enjoyed doing this one and i know that a lot of people the reaction from it was just as good because they enjoyed this particular fight. It was quite recent, so it, it was fresh in a lot of people's memories. So it was a it was a great way to start it. And ironically, ironically, this was actually the shortest episode of the whole season. Episode one at one hour and fourteen minutes. <laughs> That's it is interesting because uh, I feel like we got quite a lot in there. Even the stuff about Vlad's dad um, about because um, he was uh, in the Chernobyl stuff, wasn't he? And that yep. was basically how he ended up dying. Uh, that stuff like that. Those are little those little aspects of these stories are always they're always great, you know. Um, and I think you get a feel of each fighter before they, it leads them into this to their biggest fights. Generally, it tends to be anyway. But um, yeah, shortest episode, hour and fourteen. And I, I must admit, when I listen back to it. Um, I got some goosebumps, sort of, uh, when we was explaining the fight, and then with the little uh, the, the the cuttings you put in, um, it was some it was really great to listen back on. It was it was lovely. Uh, even the build up promo for it was was really exciting. Um, it, it's it's nice sometimes to do these legendary nights, and we were there. Uh, we've been there. We witnessed it. We see it. So that's been ter- that's been that's been another another part of it that we, we love to do. And just, just gonna, I'm gonna jump onto the second one. And that, speaking of being there and witnessing certain fights, ah, oh, nothing gets bigger than the tale of Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, episode two. The two fights we done finally, and then we did the sound and the fury, which ended up being the famous bite fight. But um, ah, oh, that that was a great one. That one, Sean, wasn't it? I enjoyed doing that one because it was a fight where it wasn't just the one; it was two, and there were two fights where. There was just infamy. They were both infamous, really, because obviously we talked about Tyson in the first fight. Tyson had coming off the back of, of of prison and coming off the back of all these wins, looked as dangerous as he'd ever as he'd ever looked in his career. And then Holyfield wasn't really given that much of a chance going into that first fight. And the way he bullied Tyson in the first fight, much to the surprise of everybody around, just went to show people that actually Tyson isn't again. He isn't as invincible as what people think he is, even though. You know, he's come out of prison and he, he looks very mean and he's he's kicking the ass of a lot of fighters uh, and he's he's he just looks like an absolute animal. And he, and he was. But Evander Holyfield was his bogeyman. Buster Douglas was his first bogeyman. Evander Holyfield was his second bogeyman in his career. It was enjoyable to do because of the stories surrounding it. I think more so, we lived through this fight, so we got the benefit of, of being able to remember what it was like at the time. But also, looking back on it, and, and going through the years, you get all the interviews that have happened since that fight has, has occurred. You get all the stories of it from the guys themselves. So to be able to get that sort of information from both guys about how that fight and how both fights were for them makes the tale even greater because you're actually getting to hear it in, in their words and not so much our words and our opinions. You're also getting to hear their words and what they felt about both fights. So that's what made it for me. That's what made it an even greater yeah. tale than just us talking about these two fights and just giving our opinions. And whilst we love to do that, we also like to, as you're aware now, we like to bring you a lot of great stories that surround it. And that's the whole point. We love to tell you stories. And there was a lot of stories surrounding these fights and the involvement of a certain Don King and Evander Holyfield, obviously losing part of his ear and the way it really sent Tyson into a bit of a downward spiral again after the first, second fight. And 
it, yeah, it was just a very interesting tale. Really enjoyed that one. Really enjoyed doing it. And I felt like it was, a again, it was just a great way to transition from episode two and then transition to episode three, which was yet another absolutely brilliant fight and another infamous fight. Oh, mate, um, the, what you just said there with um, with the fact that we had uh, the towel from both sides. We had Tyson, we had Evander speaking uh, sort of in between the rounds as well. We even had a felt about certain moments in the fight, which is a great way I felt of actually describing the fight was how they were feeling at the time and what was going through Tyson's head, especially in the second fight and what happened and what Holyfield thought when he felt that burning sensation in his ear. And then afterwards to hear um, Mike Tyson go back after all the dramas, um, mad fights happening all over the shop, weren't they? There was a, the MGM was just on lockdown because there's, there's people fighting each other, there's, there's fights outside, there's, there's shots fired. And at the end of it, Mike Tyson goes back, smokes some weed, and doesn't sleep. I think that was just brilliant. Um, <laughs> just always tickled me that bit. Just hearing what he did after. He was so angry. And then he said, yeah, I, I, I smoked a spiff, settled down, went to sleep, and then woke up, and it was like nothing had ever happened. Um, yeah, I mean, what what a great story. Loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I, all of them have been brilliant. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll say our favourite ones at the end, but um, this was definitely one of them for me. So transitioning for episode number three, the tale of Julio Cesar Chavez, Meldrick Taylor, was, was a, not only was it a brilliant fight, but it was the infamy of how the fight ended, which was the big talking points of it all, really. These two guys were at the peak of their powers when they fought in 1990. And you wouldn't have thought that, you know, these, these types of fights would would enthrall you uh, and engross you so much by watching them back once again. And this was another one that did, because when you go back and watch it, if you've not watched it for a long time, you're actually really engrossed about how the fight goes down and how it's a case of, you know, a tale of two halves, really, in, in this in this fight, of, of how Taylor was, was bossing it and how Chavez was able to come back. And then right at the end, obviously, he, he drops him. The referee stops the fight with, what, minimal seconds to go. And... All the infamy surrounding was Meldrick Taylor in the position to continue? Should things have been checked by the referee correctly? Was the corner at fall? There was many variables in this episode that we liked, that we covered, that we enjoyed. So, you know, if you're listening to this wrap-up episode and you've not had a chance to listen to any of these episodes, by the way, then please go back and check it. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll have listened to everything. I'm sure. <laughs> but even if you think, you know, actually, I might go and listen to that again. I think we did a really great job on that and, and I'm really happy with what we what we put out for everybody because it was one of them tales that, yes, it had been done by HBO many, many years ago, but I felt like, again, because we had the benefit of more time passing since that Legendary Night's HBO documentary, we get more insight from the fighters even all these years later. More things get said, more interesting takes get put into it and that, that's why we've enjoyed doing Chavez and Taylor once more because of the fact that there's so many different variables surrounding how the fight ended that it made it more intriguing to have a conversation about and give our thoughts as to what we think should have happened after Meldrick Taylor got dropped down. Again, Johnston, I know you enjoyed this yeah. one just as much as I did, but what did you um, what did you make of, of, of the whole tale surrounding Chavez and Taylor? Oh, it was, I mean, it, for me, it was definitely one of the best we put together. Just just a story. I mean, it, the, the actual fight itself is is just theatrical, isn't it? It's just, it's marvellous. I mean, you see how, how Meldrick Taylor's just bossing it. I mean, for the best part of 10 rounds even, it is just a one-man show at times. And, and Chavez is just, he just can't find a target. He can't keep with him. And then there is a, there is a change, you know, a slight change, a slight a punch uh, fatigue on Taylor's part where, um, and he allows Chavez to come back into the fight. And then that's when he really goes for broke. And, and obviously that's where those that were the Mexican fans. And we really, I think we, we put that together. The fact that Meldrick was uh, from Philly and, and, and Chavez from Mexico. We managed to source so, so some great quotes from some, what, what it meant to be a Mexican warrior and what it meant to be from Philly and, and the sort of fighters that they had to portray. Um, and, and I think they, it, it was, it was perfect. It was, and we had, obviously we had got the perspective of time compared to the, like you say, with the HBO uh, documentary. But when you look back, I can't help it. I mean, if I watch it now, if we put it on now, I'd, my heart would still drop every time for Taylor because I just think there's, there's so much going on within those, within such a, 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 a small 
time limit. I mean, you're talking seconds, and and you there are so many different aspects of who's at fault here. Um, uh, but I just feel for poor Taylor because I think he deserved to get the nod. I think he goes to the cards, he wins it. Um, and I think he deserved to get that. And then he could have had the rematch after. And I think it effectively ruined Taylor's career. So on that, it, it, I think we put that together marvellously. Um, not to be like too big head with it, but I thought we've done this. Uh, uh, honestly, it was, it was. I think we did this fight a lot of justice. I really do. Well, the next fight is uh, definitely one that, I knew we'd covered a lot of the careers of both of these individuals before for career profiles and for the other fights that they that they competed in. We did the fight of the century episode for Joe Fraser, Muhammad Ali, and we enjoyed doing it, even though we'd obviously done number three, the Thriller in Manila in season one, and we'd done both career profiles of these guys. The fight of the century... There was there was a story that needed to be told yet again. It's been told many times in many different ways, but for our series, we felt like we needed to tell it again, and we needed to tell it in a way which give people a real understanding of what this fight and the magnitude of it meant to so many people at the time. And that was again the great benefit of of time is that there's so much literature out there. Uh, and so many accounts from people who were there that we were able to properly get a feel from them and their words as to how this how this all went down, what it really meant to people, how it how it affected both men's careers, the collision course that they went on to get to that first fight between Joe Fraser and Muhammad Ali, how it all how it all intertwined together was was a really enjoyable part of covering that particular fight and that episode because there were so many stories. With them both, there's, so, there's always so many stories. Just when you think you know all the stories, something new comes up, something that you haven't heard about comes up. And that's the great thing about these two fighters in Fraser and Ali is that their legacies uh, are going to far surpass many, many people. They're far going to surpass us. This fight took place way before the pair of us were born. And yet we still talk about it 50 years down the line. I mean, we released this episode. I think it was in the same week. It was fifty years to the to the date of the fight. I remember releasing the episode because we did the interview with with Mark Cram with Mark Cram Jr. on his book on Fraser, and we did that on the main feed. And it was a really good way to to sort of celebrate that particular fight. And I just thoroughly enjoyed doing it because of the story and the fight itself. And it, it, I can't really stress enough to everybody that listens to it. You know, we we do sound like we're sort of giving ourselves a lot of pats on the back here. It's not so much about that. It's it's just trying to express to you guys what it means to us to sit down, get it all together, and put it out there to you guys. Because when we've delivered something like this, like that fight and that story surrounding it, I walk away at the end of the night after recording the episode, and I think, you know what, that was absolutely great. That was absolutely great, and we we were the ones recording it. We were the guys actually recording the episode, and then I walk away from it thinking, "Bloody hell, that's gonna that's gonna be a really good lesson," and and that's because of how much information is out there to put together, and it is all about how it's put together. I think for me personally, as a podcast listener and a consumer myself, and I listen to other people's podcasts and on different topics aside from boxing, as as long as they tell a good story, I'm happy. If if it's something that just drones on for hours and hours and they're just going around the houses with all the facts, it bores me. So that's why I know when we do our stuff, it's always that important for us to make sure there's relevant stories in there and then it gives you a bit of a sense of a timeline of what was going on and when and how it led into to the fights that we talk about. So Joe Fraser, Muhammad Ali, uh, definitely one of my favourites that we've that we've ever done. Oh, mate, um, absolutely. Uh, I... The fact that you just you said right at the top of that was the fact that we've done a Joe Frazier and a Muhammad Ali career profile. Now, albeit Muhammad Ali was done when we didn't sort of go into as much detail as you like. I mean, we did get a lot in there. I mean, everyone knows Muhammad Ali, but we didn't necessarily source the amount of information we did say for Joe Frazier. But two career profiles and we've done Thriller Manila, um, but yet we still managed to find more stories. And, and I think that just says it all about these two. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much information on Mamed Ali. And there's a lot of information on Joe Frazier, not as much. And um, I, I, I mean, the, the, the special part of it, obviously, was talking to, to Mark Cram Jr. I mean, the fact that we used Mark Cram Jr.'s book 
and then we uh, use quotes from Mark Cram Senior in Sports Illustrated. I mean, how great's that? I mean, and and to hear Mark Cram Junior speak about sort of um, the fights he had been to and encountered, and 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 to feel his love for the sport of boxing like we do, I think that just it was it was just a beautiful thing to to really do for us. I think it was a it's definitely. I know it wasn't a part of the episode. It, as such, you know, it was a, it was an ad hoc thing, but it was uh, it was really great to do. And the fact that it's the second longest episode says a lot about these two. I mean, the fight of the century was was just it was just it's just marvelous. It really is the whole thing, the seventies and everything around it. Uh, Ali sort of coming back from his exile. We went into a lot of that. We we didn't really touch on his exile, but we really went into the exile on this. While Fraser was champion, and I thought that built that chemistry and it gave the listener a feeling of what how big this fight really was when it happened in 1971 so um yeah what a special one for me too sean episode number five was the tale of sugar ray leonard versus thomas hearns the showdown in 1981 the first big encounter between these two is something we didn't do for season one i know we covered at least one fight from each of the fab four but to be able to do the original fight which was sugar ray leonard tommy hearns in 81 uh, I think was, uh, well, it's not so much the original fight because Duran Leonard was the original fight, to be fair, uh, correcting yeah. myself there. But the original fight between <laughs> between these two individuals, I think, was, was, was so, so important to make sure that we covered because many people do put requests in. Uh, as you guys know, there's many people that are message and say, can you do a career profile on this or could you cover this particular fight? Uh, and we always try to get as many great fights in as possible and, and many fights that have got many stories surrounding it and, and you I'm sure you've imagined I'm sure you've guessed now that that is how we we kind of roll with our podcasts when it comes to the series based stuff that we like to tell a good story surrounding the fight as per season one season one was just all about our opinions of the fights and you know what really it wasn't really about what happened in the build-up so much it was more so about how this fight got together and how the fight went down and what happened afterwards. Yeah. Whereas, you know, now, as we said, for season two, it will all be about how these careers intertwined, what the build-up was like, the fight itself, what happened in the aftermath of it all. And I think we did, we've done a great job uh, of doing that across the whole season. But, you know, it was, it was more important to make sure we picked the right level of fights for the season. And I think Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns is, is definitely one of those that we've not already covered that needed to be there. Yeah, I mean, we another thing was season one, we always did a poll, we always put a poll out, so we always picked four fights, and we'd always look at it in the perspective of how good the fight was, and that was how it always was, not necessarily the tale behind it. And when you, you know, you put something out on social media, you know, it went out on Twitter, and, um, you know, I'm not disrespecting any uh, boxing followers on Twitter, but, you know, when you see... if certain fights that you will see amongst those four and you're going to pick them in, you know, and uh, this was one that always sort of, for some reason it was in there and it just didn't come out on top. But then, you know, we did have Duran and Leonard and, you know, we, we, there were massive fights in there from season one. But so, yeah, as you say, it was just something we had to do to show down. We always wanted to do it. And um, I think that was, a, that was another aspect of season two as well is where we, we pretty much handpicked these, if not all of them. Um, otherwise someone would have asked us to do them. So, uh, but yeah, this, I mean, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. It's just, um, it's, it's, it's a, the famous words from the Angelo Dundee and, and the fact that, you know, just two of the greatest fighters have ever lived. Again, two career profiles we've done, Hearns and Leonard, but yet we still managed to source newer, newer information for the build-up. And I think the one thing I will say is how much their careers in the Twine was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I know we always spoke about the fact they could have fought earlier, and and Angelo Dundee come back from his fishing trip and says no, they must not fight, and he managed to cancel that first fight. And um, he see that you know this fight's going to be huge for a few years later on, and he was bang on. I mean, it was absolutely right. But the fact is, is it was just it it was weird how they fought in the same venues. They fought a week apart. It was it was always inevitable that these two were going to get it on. And what a fight it was. So, episode number six was the tale of Donald Curry and Lloyd Hunnigan, a fight that maybe people don't always consider to be a legendary night, but I think it was, for us, it was a fight that really <laughs> always, did. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. You're right, you're right, Johnston. It's, it changed the landscape. It was one of the big British boxing upsets that, that happened over the years, and, and this particular fight, you know, this was like... Donald Curry was, was mentioned as being as good as Sugar Ray Leonard at this time. People felt that he was... 
you know, as good as, if not better, than Sugar Ray Leonard. Some people argued that fact. Lloyd Hunnigan was the British fighter who had gone over without much of a chance that they didn't even issue a betting line on Lloyd Hunnigan because they thought his chances were absolutely slim to none. <laughs> and he goes over and he causes the one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. And that tale had to be told. And the, again, the careers of these two individuals were were so different, really, because obviously you look at Lloyd Hunnigan's path to to where he got to against Donald Curry, and it was quite different, whereas Donald Curry was always steadily progressing and always being touted as the number one of the division uh, and the number one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet at that time. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a typical, for me, it was a typical underdog story. Lloyd Hunnigan was the underdog. Donald Curry was like the Apollo Creed and Lloyd Hunnigan was like the Rocky of this, <laughs> of, of this, of this particular story. But Lloyd Hunnigan went over there and showed how talented he was and dethroned Donald Curry in what was a brilliant fight, a great fight to watch, a great tale to do. Uh, and I hope you guys listening, I hope you did enjoy listening to that one because I kind of felt like it was out of all the tales that we did, it might be the one where people might think, hmm, you know, it's not as good as the rest of them. It's all right, but it's not as good as the rest of them over the course of the whole season. I think if, if I'm going to say anyone give me that sort of feeling, that was the one. And not because of the fight, not because of the way we recorded it and delivered it, just more so the way of I know what boxing on social media can be like and the, the, the average boxing fan's knowledge of, of certain fights and certain eras is... It's a bit overstated sometimes, so I didn't know if this one would be appreciated as much, but I think there was a lot of long-time listeners, and a big thanks to all of you that did mention that they did enjoy this episode. Yeah, mate. The fact that Lloyd Hanukkah rocked up in uh, the Caesars Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City, rocking his purple sequins and, uh, and took on the might of Donald Curry and literally beat him up um, was just fantastic. It really was. I mean, the weight issues were a big thing we, we we mentioned in this and the Americans like to allude to that. But Donald Curry was never the same after this Lloyd Hunnigan defeat. And Lloyd Hunnigan was was quite simply marvellous. He really was. And he was the complete underdog. They weren't even taking betting lines on, on the, over the phone. I mean, that was one thing we laughed about when we were doing it, Sean, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, look, it isn't, obviously, you know, it's not as so much with the stories in terms of the ins and outs of the ring um but again um the the, the information wasn't really there on lloyd but i thought we'd done a great bit of work a bit of research there to dig deep to get all this information in that we did and um i re- we're really pleased with the outcome and and like you say it was really was a, a rocky a rocky moment for lloyd Hannigan. um brilliant i think it is uh, a bar probably ken buchanan maybe stracy i mean they're the only two i can probably say um, that could maybe just overshadow the Hunnigan win over Curry, but um, if not, one of the best British results I've ever seen in boxing. So episode seven was where it started to get a little bit tasty for us in terms of the level of content oh, and the stories oh. that were surrounding. Now, obviously, when we when we put the season together, we did look at a lot of fights, and as Johnston, as you said, we picked a, a pretty much all of these ourselves. I think barring two of them. I think we picked the other eight of these episodes where, you know, we, we sat down and we honestly had a chat with each other and then we said, like, what sort of fights and what sort of stories can we bring to this season? And the next story was was absolutely, it, to be honest with you, it blew my mind. It blew my mind in the sense that how did I know, not know about this, this tale beforehand? How did I not really appreciate this tale beforehand? And I'm talking about the tale of Roberto Duran and Esteban de Zeus. These two guys had three amazing fights three brilliant fights a, a real tale but it was it was the build-up to the fights and the needle of the fights that really compelled me with this tale it really got me gripped on on i wish i would have been around for it i wish i would have been a, a fly on the wall for it because it doesn't sometimes it doesn't always give it the justice it probably deserves because we haven't lived through it or we wasn't there for it at the time we were telling it in in retrospect and we're telling it based on accounts of people that were there at the time or the literature on the reports of people that were ringside for these fights it just gives us goosebumps uh, talking about the fights and talking about how they were and we are fortunate enough to have things like youtube around so we can watch these fights back and we're very fortunate that we do have all this because if we didn't we wouldn't be able to actually have the benefit of talking about these fights and these stories the way we've we've been able to do it but this was this was one that really 
again, as I said earlier, Johnson, when when I when I finish a podcast and I finish the recording with you, and I, I go back down in my house and I think to myself, <laughs> actually, you know what? That was an absolutely brilliant episode. And this was one of them where I actually sat there and I felt this has got to be one of the best episodes we've done. This this just the stories, everything surrounding it, the whole tale. I just think Roberto Duran is always known for his encounters in the Fab Four with obviously with Leonard, with Hearns, with Hagler. But no one really ever talks about his trilogy with DeZeus. And I think that was the one thing that we wanted to get out of this episode was to bring it to the forefront, to to give people this tale and to, for them to go back and look at it and go, actually, you know what? This is one of the most underrated boxing trilogies ever. Oh, mate, absolutely is. It really is. Um <laughs> Uh, it blows me mind, really, sort of when when we started to really um, put it all together, and, and the fact is that, like we say, we, we sat down and we discussed some of these and, and what ones we were going to put out, and this was definitely one. Duran de Zeus. When you see it on paper, you sort of think, are we actually going to get enough on this? Um, is this really going to work well? And and I must say that you know, as soon as we started really um, digging deep, and Sports Illustrated, huge, huge part of it. You know, they they were able to we found so much information on, on the build-up to these fights and, and interviews they did. And obviously Esteban de Zeus started to get interviewed more and more. And then obviously Duran's book, we used a bit of that um, f- for it as well. And he speaks a lot about Dur- uh, Esteban. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact was just that, like you mentioned, the literacy from, from Sports Illustrated at the time was was brilliant. I mean, the words they were putting together, like, the, you know, just the infuriated street fighter was suddenly an artist. I mean, just little things like that. It was just, it was just beautiful. Um, and then just putting them in in the right time, making sure that um, it all fit well. And then obviously the tragic ending of Esther Band, we stuck on the end uh, very briefly went through. That didn't go into too much detail. Um, it's a possible for a dark side of the boxing without giving too much uh, away on that but uh, not this not not season two by the way but yeah it's definitely one we'll be looking at doing but um just the story of the build-up the fight itself the two knockdowns and poor duran getting caught early uh from esteban but and a complete forgotten trilogy and the fact it was an hour and a half and i thought we was probably looking at just over an hour um so massively massively happy that we managed to get the, all the information in for this because it was a real great a gem of a story it really was, but not so much as episode number eight. Episode number eight is probably, for me, the shining light, the the pinnacle of Legendary Night season two. And that's not discrediting anything else we did throughout the season. But it was just, again, another obscure tale from many, many years ago that I don't think had been given that much light in, in recent times or hadn't been given that much literature on. You know, there's fights that we've done and they've been covered to death by many different people, by many different podcasts. And, okay, I know we, we, we pride ourselves on the way we present them and deliver them, and we kind of feel like we're one of the best out there at doing that. But it has been, some of these fights have been done to death, let's be honest, by, by some of the well-known pundits out there. Yep. They, they have. But this next tale, the tale of Emile Griffith and Benny kidd that that's hardly been done. That tale has hardly been done. That whole tale of these two guys getting in the ring and having a trilogy of fights and the tragedy and the ecstasy and the agony all combined into one, I don't think had been done at all. And this was something that obviously when we discussed, you brought to the table, Johnston, and you get all the credit for this because you brought this one to the table and you said, look, look, I've got a tale here that, that maybe not a lot of people know about. And it's like, when you look into the depths of it all, I was like, oh my God, this is an absolute belting, belting story. Very, very sad, of course, but in terms of the whole fight surrounding it, the the homophobic slurs, the racial slurs, everything that went in surrounding this fight, if this fight would have been in this generation now, in the social media generation, oh my God, it would have gone viral. It would have blew up social media. The whole slurs, the whole homophobia, the death, of course, this would have killed, this would have literally killed off social media. It would have gone that viral that people would have been absolutely going nuts for, for, for this tale, for the for these fights with people. You think about what people get viral over now. 
and you think about something like this in this era and it would have absolutely blew the roof off social media it really would have done but I, honestly this was this was one of the best episodes again they said it about Duran Jesus this is this is definitely up there as as one of my favorites oh the the this just it is it had everything didn't it it really did we're talking about Emil Griffith which was so early in his career i mean we did we we mentioned it at the end but the, his career went on and on and on um massive fights after that but it's just an incredible story it really is from from the get-go and uh, you know my uh my feeling came from from the point when um, i watched that documentary of emil griffith the ring of fire it stuck with me for years i watched it whenever pretty much not far after it was released and i remember thinking a gay boxer that just that intrigued me from the off and um and then finding out that a gay boxer then kills a guy in the ring and it's like what the hell is this about this is just it's a crazy story, you know, and it, from that point, it just it gripped me, and I thought it's definitely one we've got to do. My my worry was always, can we get enough on on Benny Perret? And thankfully, we did. We got some great information on Benny Perret, and um, yeah, so it was it was it, the whole thing that the story comes together from that point when, when you're able to source enough on both fighters. It just it just is in, is incredible. I mean, the fact that. In the sixties, you know, he was pretty much open gay, uh, not as such, but he was. People within the field knew he was. But you know, the unmanned stuff that came out, they couldn't actually, they couldn't actually print that that he was a homosexual. Um, it, it's just crazy because it's just it's just a different different era. I mean, if, and then the, the sickening end. Um, so uh, it was it was it's very traumatic to watch at times. It sends shivers down your spine and it was very explicit at times but i must say i i think for me this is one of the best as in a as a story as a whole not just the free fights but the story as a whole is one of the best legendary nights to have ever done i agree well episode nine was actually uh, commissioned by dan Luzi, one of our patrons dan big shout out to you you commissioned the tale of joe karzaghi and mikhail kessler a fight that i think is forgotten about and underrated because of the, the way the careers have gone on and obviously Joe Calzaghe's career following that fight and, of course, Mikhail Kessler's career following that fight in particular. But this one particular fight, this one night in 2007 when these two guys uh, were fighting for ultimate supremacy in the super middleweight division, I think you forget how good of an actual fight it was. And, yeah, there was there was quite a bit of information in the build-up to this fight, a lot of needle going into it, really. Not so much nastiness, but more competitiveness going into this fight. And the fight itself, again, it's a brilliant, brilliant fight to go back and watch. It's, it's a very highly competitive, highly skilled fight. And it's one of those fights where... You could go back and watch it and analyse it again and again and you realise how good of a fighter Joe Calzaghe was and how much of a warrior Mikhail Kessler was. And this is what, prime for prime. I mean, Calzaghe was, what, 35 at the time this fight happened? This was really Calzaghe's, one of his crowning nights. We always talk about Jeff Lacey as his defining night. I think that's the one that put him on the map for sure. But beating a guy undefeated in his prime like Mikhail Kessler again at the age of 35, I think was an absolutely supreme achievement that doesn't really get appreciated as much as what it should. And I was glad that, Dan, you know, you picked this episode for us for the season. And I was glad that you did because, you know, sometimes you look at things and you think, oh, Joe Kazagi, Mikhail Kessler. You think you think back at the first and you think, oh, it wasn't really a lot with that one, was there? You know, is that is that really going to make a good story? Is that really going to be something that people enjoy listening to? And then you start to delve into the, the the research of it all. You start to go back through the literature of it all. You watch the fight and you think, oh my God, yeah, again, it's another brilliant fight that needs to be covered. So yeah, we're glad that we did this one. It was a brilliant way to set us up for the finale, which we've recently done, which was episode number 10. So if Johnston, if you want to give your thoughts yeah. on Kazagi Kessler and then take us straight into the final episode. Yeah, I think um, the Kawasaki Kessler fight, I mean, it was really refreshing after doing uh, Griffith and Perrette because it got quite dark, that one. Uh, <laughs> when you read through it, you felt like really, um, it's quite emotional to just read through all that. So it's refreshing to get just a fight. And it was nice to have that build up with Kawasaki Kessler. It was funny at times. And then the fight itself and just just to sit down and actually watch a cracking fight and then discuss it. And then put it, you know, put it out there was that it was really good. I, I really, you know, I can't thank him enough for 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 Dan for, for picking that one because it was nice to just get back to the boxing stuff side of stuff. And then 
we jump into season 10 and then it goes back to that gritty side of things again with uh, Larry Holmes and Jerry Cooney in 1982, literally a few months before I was born. And um, oh my goodness me, another cracker, wasn't it, really? Um, not, again, the fight itself for me, uh, you know, you think Kawasaki Kessler, that's a, this a better, Kawasaki Kessler's a better fight than Holmes Cooney. Uh, Jerry Cooney was nowhere near the level of Larry Holmes. And I think um, we, we made that point pretty clear. But that wasn't what made this towel legendary. What made it legendary was the racism that surrounded it and the black and the white and the way Don King and um, Jerry Cooney's side, uh, not Cooney or Holmes, but their teams, the way they uh, publicised the fights. And um, it was actually some of the shit that come out was was pretty, well, uh, it was explicit and, and damn right wrong. So... Uh, but again, you know, it was good to allude to it. You know, like only 30, 38 years ago, um, 39 years ago now. So, uh, yeah, some dark stuff in there, Sean, wasn't there? It was a brilliant, brilliant fight for me. And it was a brilliant build-up and a great way to end the season. I think Holmes and Cooney's a story, yeah. again, it has been done. It has been done a few times before by, by all the well-documented and well-publicised outlets out there. But again, we, we, we couldn't not do a really good finale. And ironically... It's funny because Larry Holmes gets in the finale again because he was in the finale of season one against Ken Norton, <laughs> and then he, and then he gets yeah. in the finale of season two against Jerry Cooney. But it's the it's the whole racial aspect of it that that provided a brilliant story for this, and the the, the you know giving context to to what people actually made this fight into people that weren't the competitors in the ring that made this fight what it was, and they promoted it in the way that it was promoted. And the two guys, all they wanted to do was just get in the ring and, and see who was the better fighter. And essentially, that's what it boiled down to between the two of them. But everyone else surrounding it was all about making as much money as possible. The whole the fact that they needed snipers, snipers on the roofs, oh, you know, oh, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's how bad that's how bad it got from a racial perspective, that there was a lot of fears of, of either man being shot by a different extremist group of, of, their, of their ethnicity. It's absolutely crazy Jesus to think. Christ. I think that'll be the only time you'll ever see that happen. I don't think you'll ever see that happen again because it'll never get made that way because of the way political correctness is today. And even though a lot of racism still goes on and, and it is in plain sight all the time, in, in high-profile events like this, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. Whereas then, it was it was all part and parcel of the society and the culture. And whilst it was wrong to promote it that way, it made it what it was, and it, it's the reason why we, we picked it as our finale for season two is because it had to be retold again. We had to speak about it. We had to speak about the, the difficulties for both men, the aftermath for both men, and the nice ending to the story of them becoming very good friends, I think, was, was a great way to end the season of all the darkness that we've had to cover with, obviously, Joran and DeZeus and Griffith and Perrette and, obviously, the racial stuff around Holmes and Cuna. It was nice to end the season on a good note of these two guys becoming very good friends and helping each other out in the end so it, it was great and 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 that pretty much does wrap our season up doesn't it that's 10 episodes that we've done 10 episodes that we've selected that we've really enjoyed so we've got a few stats then johnston if you want to go through uh, a couple of the stats and i'll go through the other couple and just let the, the guys know that are listening like what this actually meant as an overall season stats wise yeah, so just just putting out how many divisions, how many legendary nights we've done amongst the divisions. Again, you know, the heavyweight division always tends to just roll out on top. And it was we got four fights that were in the heavyweight division. And we had three fights from the welterweight division. And then we had one from super middleweight, one from light welter, and one from lightweight. But I've also, just out of curiosity, because we did do a little stats thing as well for our legendary nights in season one. And... Uh, we are now as as a legendary night as a whole. We have done twelve heavyweight fights. It rolls out twelve heavyweight fights we've done over the span of uh, yeah. I mean, what for, was that forty episodes? Yeah. Um, and then the next one in line, funny enough, is well, two of them is the super middleweights on five, the middleweights on five. Uh, but ahead of those, the welterweight division. So the welterweight division, the two glamour divisions. If you, if you needed any stats to prove it, heavyweight and welterweight. So we've got 12 on heavyweight and then six on welterweight. They are the main weights that tend to be legendary nights then from. So the nationalities was another one that we put down on the list. So we've done 
the fights involving 10 Americans, two English, one Welsh, one Dane, one Panamanian, one Cuban, one Ukrainian, one Mexican, one Puerto Rican, and one from the US Virgin Islands. So we've actually covered... Diversity at yes, his best, mate. Definitely diversity at his best. So we've covered a, a lot of different nationalities for, for the season. Uh, in terms of eras as well, eras was quite interesting because we always worry that, are you going to select too many too many of the same era? In this one, we did one from the 60s, two from the 70s, three from the 80s, two from the 90s, one from the 2000s, and one from the 2010 which I thought was uh, was good again a good a good mix and a good variety of the ones there uh, the total hours for season 2 for everybody you've been listening to this season if you've listened to every single episode you've listened to 14 hours and 58 minutes of us just talking at you and telling <laughs> you stories what about that <laughs> Wow, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I mean, it just shows we, we do put the work in, and uh, you know, we just hope you, you enjoy your listen. Uh, it's it's a long time we spend putting it together, so to see to actually see the the hours that we've actually put out, it recorded hours is is incredible. I mean, it goes a little bit beyond that. Probably recorded hours, probably knocking on and at least an extra hour there, Sean, with, with the amount of times <laughs> my pronunciations are all over the shop. But um, just, just you mentioned the uh, eras. Um, we love the eighties, Sean. I know we, <laughs> we're both born in the eighties, so um, I, I was probably no. It's probably a reason why. But yeah, that that is the one. Uh, well, it isn't actually. Sorry, I'm t- to the light. It's the noughties. The noughties are the ones that I think we've had about ten in je- in across the board of of the noughties uh, of where we've actually watched it. But then it's the eighties after that we've had eight all together in in all legendary nights and in the seventies is another one we enjoy so yeah they're the they're the, they tend to be the areas but for me i love the eighties i mean the eighties that's special about it. the music and and the fighters that are around at the time so it's great fun to, to do those ones so we've done a little bit of a, a, a small list of our of our best ones of this episode now i've had the benefit of looking at the johnston's list uh, and now your list is actually pretty much the same as mine. There's no differences in in the actual mm. list. And and I know you've put quite a few there, Johnson. But rather than us doing uh, what you'd initially put down, I think we should just stick to a to a top three for this one because I, I, my yep. top three is the same as your top three. To be fair, so these are the top three episodes that we've done this season where we kind of feel like they've. They've stood out to us. We've really thoroughly enjoyed them. We've walked away from these episodes thinking, my God, that was a brilliant session to sit down and record. And also, we've been really in, you know, uh, really enjoyed uh, by the feedback that we've, that we've got and, and the reception that we've had on these particular episodes. And, and also the fact that we've been able to bring these stories to life in, in different ways that haven't been done before. And at number three, we've both selected... Joe Fraser and Muhammad Ali, the fight of the century, as our third best placed of this particular season. And and I'm not going to go into it again. I think everybody knows the reasons why we've selected that one. But number two was Duran and Zeus. Both of us picked Duran and Zeus at number two because, as we've already said, it's the stories. The stories that had not been told very many times before, I think, is what really, really got to us in, in, in a positive way. It's like... When you when you read about these stories and you learn more about what happened with them, you see the fights that surrounded the events, and you think to yourself, "Oh my God, this this needs to be told. We need to tell this in the way we tell our stories," and, and that's why Duran Zeus comes in at number two. But number one, number one, there was without a shadow of a doubt, this one was the best episode, uh, and it's probably. For me, I'm going out on a limb, over the course of 40 episodes that we've done in two seasons, this is probably my favourite one. And it's my favourite one because it is a story, again, that has not been told and not been done to death by many different journalists. It's been done by a few in, in an article format, but if no one's ever really done this as an overall podcast or put anything out there on the level that we've done it on. So our number one was Emile Griffith and Benny Perrette. That was the one for us that was the top of this season. But me, Johnston, this this is the best one we've ever done for me personally. Let me know like what you think about that that, that obviously list them t- them top three that we both selected. But Griffith and Perrette, man, that that's my favourite. That's my all time favourite. It, it's it's up there. It, it is for me. I don't think it's just. I thought we we did it we did it justice. I think and, and the fact. We've we've always tried to find the legendary night of our own, and I think that this is 
those those two in particular, I mean, Griffith Perret and then Duran de Zoo, so two fights that people don't necessarily know about, and we will manage to put enough information in there to create the vibe of those times and, and also how the fights went and then what happened in between and the stories. And um, and I think because of that, um, I think that's why they, they Perret, Griffith Perret is the best I think we've ever done, and then Duran de Zeus ain't far off. Um, but I will say is that the reason why those two are, are so good, and obviously Fraser Ali inferred rightly so as well, um, is because what was the catalyst to do this? And and for me, looking at season one, so we've just picked your top three. So just throwing out our top three that I've got down here, I've just found a bit of uh, documentation that we put down as our best three for season one. In terms of stories, not just the fights, Prior Aguayo, Hagler Hearns, Ali Fraser three. So... Just interesting. Those were the catalysts to just create these three that we've got. But again, Fraser Ali back in the top three again. And um, I mean, you take those three from season one to the, the three from season two. Oh, what 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 were you picking there? Are your best shots? <laughs> oh, I, I think I think Griffith Perret still comes up at number one Same. for me. It really does. I think uh, Prior Arguello was a very very good one. Hagel Hearns again. Very, very good, uh, and well, Ali Fraser, Fraser Ali goes without saying, really. But I think, in, again, I'm just going to reiterate to everybody that it is for us when we put these episodes together, as you've gathered over the past 12 to 18 months, the way we've started to deliver the stories in the way we have. I think you can kind of gather that the types of stories that thrill us to do and thrill us to present to you guys are the ones that have not been done uh, on many, many occasions. Many, many, many occasions. I mean, like Hagler Hearns. There's a new book that's just been brought out about Hagler Hearns. I think it's Bill Detlov who's who's brought this new book out about the war. So it's like, what other information has he put together for that book that we didn't? You know, these these types of things get done over and over and over again. Fraser Ali. There's just been another Muhammad Ali documentary by Ken Burns over four separate episodes that has just gone out there. And it's about an hour and a half per episode. So there's about six hours of documentary on the Muhammad Ali to go and watch. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So there's so many more other details that we might have not already picked up ourselves for our episodes that might want us, you know, we might want to revisit some of these, but it's it's ones for me, like Duran Zeus, Griffith Perret, them two in particular have stood out for me by a long shot because when you go on and you search for, for these stories, yeah, you'll find a couple of articles that have been written by well-known journalists in the past, but you won't find a lot of stuff that's been done in the same format we've done it in. And that's why we've really thoroughly enjoyed putting it together and putting the second season together for you is because this is this is what we do. This is what we thoroughly enjoy doing. And, and we're glad that people have, have perceived the episodes and perceived the season very well and that you guys uh, are already asking for certain fights for another season, which is amazing. And we keep saying to you guys, if you've ever got any recommendations, things that we've overlooked ourselves or things that you know might, we might want to investigate a bit further, then always do message us and tell us because we will we do make notes of them i had a few messages just as the season was ending of a few fights that i thought yeah that 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 seems like a good one to go and investigate and and see what we can put together for it and see if that would make a good future episode so guys if you've got any other recommendations always throw them at us always throw them at us because legendary nights yes please even though it was all about the fights originally and it was all about doing the best fights out there, that was our original premise of the series. The premise around the series has changed dramatically, really, and it's gone more along the storytelling format. And we like to tell stories about these legendary tales. So it's not just more so about legendary nights. The season probably should be called Legendary Tales now, not Legendary Nights, but <laughs> yeah. everybody, everybody knows it as Legendary Nights. So we stick to Legendary Nights, but... As, as we always say when we start the episodes, if it's more of a tale, if it's more of a story, uh, as opposed to just one individual night, one individual fight, then we'll present it in that format because that's what people enjoy. That's what our niche is. That's what people enjoy us presenting to you. So, of course, we'll continue to do that. So, for a, a season three, are we going to do a season three, Johnston? Is there enough out there to do a season three? Yeah, I think we've got enough fights to do a season three. Um, there are a few... Um, because we, we obviously we're, we're jumping onto the dark side of boxing, and um, that's just about to, we've just already put one away actually, which is great news. Uh, but um, I um, I did put a list together actually. We need to sit down and discuss it. But yeah, there are a few on there where we've got a couple of 
great tales as well that we could go and delve into. So um, definitely, we we definitely get a season three. We want to keep these. It's, it's just developed into these big storylines as well. So um, you know, we will we will mix it up and have, have you know you, you, like your Kes, your Cal's Aggie Kessler fights kind of thing. But uh, uh, um, we'll definitely do a season three. But I think we've just got to keep limiting them, Sean. Like, like I think we've both said. That I think that ten episodes is probably just about right. Um, but yeah, if I, I just want, there's one thing I would like to say, and that's if, you know, we both agree, Benny Perrette and, um, Emil Griffith are fantastic, great episode. And the, the, the last line and, uh, Emil Griffith says, I, I keep thinking how strange it is. I kill a man and most people understand and forgive me. However, I love a man and many say this makes me an evil person. I mean, holy shit, man. <laughs> that's just, just madness, isn't it? Madness, madness. Well, guys, that that's it. That's our wrap up for the for season two. You know, we hope you've enjoyed it. We hope we've been able to bring you a bit of an insight into, you know, what what what's been good about doing the season, what we've enjoyed, giving a recap on the episode, some figures surrounding it. Yes, there will there will be a season three for definite. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do season three and dark side of boxing and career profiles and run the main feed at the <laughs> no. same time. So apologies, you know, I can only apologise to you guys that we can't deliver it, you know, on a on a more permanent basis. And obviously we have to do it with a few months break at a time for each season. It's because we've always got the other seasons running and we've only got limited recording time because of our own personal lives and the fact that we do this as a hobby, of course, that you guys already know. So we can only put so much time aside to put these things out there. So we do appreciate that you follow us, that you do go on social media and you do tell people about the podcast and you're always sharing it in different formats. It's so much appreciated by us. It really, really is because it's what helps keep the word out there. And these episodes that we do are all timeless. So no matter how many years down the line you go back and listen to them, the stories are still relevant. The, the 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 history is still there. The facts are still there. So it's always good to have it all banked up. And we hope that we've created a little bit of a, a podcast legacy when it comes down to these series. So we just want to say thanks again, as always, for listening to the series, for promoting it on social media, for telling everybody about it, for messaging us and letting us know what you thought of the episodes, for rating us and reviewing us. We'd really appreciate that also. And continue to do it. Find us on social media, Twitter, Legend Night Pod, facebook btr boxing podcast network on instagram and also on youtube please make sure you're letting everybody know where we are if you've enjoyed an episode make sure you share it and tell people why you've enjoyed it and if you've got any constructive feedback if you think there's anything we can do better for a season three anything we need to improve on whether it's we've missed a fact out here or we've missed something out there just tell us just let us know we appreciate the constructive criticism we appreciate it when you come back and actually say oh could you add this in next time or could you put that in as opposed to doing what other people do which is to if they're going to go on there and they're going to slate us it's probably because they've only listened to five minutes of the podcast which doesn't happen (laughs) it doesn't happen very often we don't get many people going on and and sort of slating us but we do get the odd ones that will go on and say oh well this is that and this is this and a lot of people don't understand the premise of what we do. They just they listen to, say, 30 seconds or a minute of an episode and they think, hang on, what's he talking about? Because they've not given us a chance to actually tell the story. They've only heard a section of it. So it does become a little bit frustrating for us. So when we do get the positive feedback and the constructive feedback, it's really appreciated because we will go out of our way to change things and make it a, the best listening experience ever. And that's why you guys continue to come back to us, of course, because we keep improving, we keep making these necessary changes to keep you guys interested in what legendary nights is all about so a big thank you thank you so much for listening thank you so much for supporting the season we hope to see you back for season three and please go and check out our darker side of boxing season two which is being released in a few weeks time please do go and check it out please do go and check out the career profiles and the main btr boxing podcast feed we hope you've enjoyed this season of btr boxing podcast legendary nights
Social Podcast Network.